My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. So we are here today talking on the topic of HR being disruptive. I am super excited to speak with my guest today because I just think that she is, you know, I use this word a lot in every podcast, but it it could not be any truer today than it is any other time. She's amazing. I have learned, (laughs) I've learned so much in my short journey as a founder of Disrupt HR Caribbean um, with Barbados and just holding Barbados and Jamaica. Uh, We're about to release Jamaica, so I'm very excited for that. But I believe that what my guest has been able to do, what she and her colleagues have been able to create around the world in terms of this movement, Disrupt HR, is absolutely fabulous. It's not her one and only call to fame. She's also a fellow podcaster. So I am a bit nervous interviewing her today because this is her thing as well. So I hope I do it justice. And uh, amongst that, she's also a coach, a keynote speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy to introduce Jennifer McClure. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And our topic for today is the future of HR is disruptive. And I know this is something that is very near and dear to your heart. And it's also very near and dear to mine. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today about this. So let's get started. What? Yes, I'm really excited to to chat with you. Wonderful. So I know we are talking, we are having this podcast in COVID season with dodgy Wi-Fi, but we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best to make it work. So Jennifer, what makes you tick? How did you get here? Tell us a bit about your story. Wow. Um, Wow. How did I get here? As um, Julie and I were chatting before we, we started the podcast, I'm back at my childhood home where I grew up um, during this season caring for my mother. And so it's, I guess this is where it all began. Um, but I started in HR uh, over 30 years ago. And my thoughts at that time with no I didn't know anyone, and it was called personnel then. I uh, didn't know anyone in personnel, but was asked in college, you know, what are you wanted, what do you want to do? What kind of job are you going to go for? And I said personnel, human resources, because I felt like that was an opportunity. Uh, I always joke that I'm a, I was a millennial before millennials were a thing. Um, I wanted <laughs> to have as much control, not control, certainly not control. I wanted to have as much influence in the organization as I could, even at a young age. And I kind of envisioned with my limited knowledge of the business world that the position that would have the most influence is the one that has responsibility in some aspect for all people. Um, And so I said, human resources, you know, so I think 30 plus years later that that was 
a fantastic decision um, because I still believe, especially even more so today, that the people leaders, whether it's human resources, the, the people who are in learning development or training or even recruiting, uh, we are the most important employees in the organization because we do impact every employee in the organization through the policies and procedures that we help to set up and administer, through the recruiting systems that we put in place, through the training and development systems, the benefits, the pay. Everything we do is to make our employees successful so that they can uh, deliver on the business objectives. And so what I can't think of a more important employee in the organization than human resources. So that's how and why I got into HR and spent about 20 years in the corporate world there. Um, and then the company that I worked for was sold and I found myself kind of thinking about what was new and next for me and decided to um, go into executive search for a little bit. So I worked with a recruiting firm bringing leaders into organizations, mainly so that I could learn how to develop business since I had never done anything like that because I did think I wanted to eventually start my own business and the owner of the recruiting firm was happy to help me do, do that when I was ready. And thankfully they did. Uh, so in 2010, I stepped out on my own as a full-time speaker, trainer. I do still do some coaching. But most of what I love to do is speaking. And uh, so it's a little bit of a weird time where every place I'm supposed to be speaking has had to cancel or postpone. And so yes. yet another opportunity to disrupt and, and reinvent. You know, certainly we hope that it will come back at some point to be mm -hmm. able to get out there and to teach and to connect and, and learn along with everyone else. But there are other ways that we can do that in the meantime. So I'm looking forward to figuring that out as I go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for your journey because it's, it's led you here and, and I'm happy and honored to, to meet and know you. So thank you for sharing your story. And I know I am super bummed because I know you were supposed to speak at Disrupt HR Barbados in March and that did not happen. So, well, yet, that's the word we're going to use. Hasn't happened yet. There you go. That's but we're right. going to, we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Disrupt HR. What made you and your, your friends decide to come up with this idea of Disrupt HR? I know what we read on the website, but what's the, tell us a story. What's the story? Sure. Uh, well, I, I, I actually have a podcast episode. I can share the link with you where I kind of share the history of Disrupt HR or how we got started. And uh, the reality is, you know, I was about three years into my business. This was mid-2013. Uh, and so I was speaking at a lot of conferences and events in the HR realm in particular, because that was my background. Um, and just was having lunch with a friend who is a startup kind of tech entrepreneur. Um, and he had a, a technology company at the time that had an HR technology product. So we would meet a couple of times a year for me to advise him or, you know, answer his questions and help him. And so at the end of our conversation over lunch, he just said, you know, hey, what's new with you? You know, what are you thinking? And I said, you know, I'm out there and I, I'm at 40 or 50 conferences a year, which, you know, not, the average person is not. So uh, it's certainly not a criticism of any conference or event, but I said, I'm at a lot of conferences. 
and I hear a lot of the same speakers who are talking about the same topics, including me, which that's great if you want me. Uh, <laughs> but I said, I think there's an opportunity to maybe, I'd like to hold a conference or an event in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I live um, at some point in the future and maybe ask different people to speak about different topics. And so Chris Ostich is his name. Uh, and that's why I love being around people like him. He's an idea. Uh, he, I'm, if you spark it, he's the flame starter, you know, so he'll throw gas on it. And he immediately got excited and he said, we should do this. And, um, you know, I, I think that you should make this happen. And so he, we left the lunch meeting and he kept thinking about it, thankfully. So he gets credit for being the founder of Disrupt HR. I'm the mm -hmm. chief excitement officer. Uh -huh. Disrupt HR would not be here without Chris Ostich because right. he let the idea just be an idea. Mm -hmm. uh, he went back to his team and said, you know, why don't we do this? Uh, why don't we use, he was the community organizer for Ignite events at the time, which if you've ever heard of Ignite events, they're held all mm -hmm. around the world and they are five minutes, 20 slides, 15 second talks. So he called me back and he said, why don't we do that, what you wanted to do, uh, use the Ignite format and invite, you know, different cool people to give talks about anything related to the workplace. And so we held our first Disrupt event in December 2013 here in Cincinnati or in Cincinnati. Um, a friend from Denver, Colorado was in the area, so I made her come and she enjoyed it and afterwards said, hey, could I do this in Denver? And so Chris and his team helped her. And then just one by one, I guess we put the videos online, people started reaching out and saying, this looks fun. Can we do it in our city? And so about mid 2015, I think we had 12 or 14 cities in, in North America. Um, and so Chris and I decided to, you know, put up the website and make it more available to people. And now last, I haven't checked through the end of um, March yet, but through the end of February, we had 157 licensed cities in 37 countries. And over 5,000 Disrupt HR talks have been given. Uh, over 400 events have been held around the world. And it's turned into something we never could have imagined. But I still, you know, I still volunteer my time, like all of our local organizers, like you. Yeah. Um, and Chris uh, is in another uh, company now, not in the technology space. So he is very supportive, but he's mm -hmm. not really involved in the day-to-day. -day. Right. This is such a cool story because I think it just goes to show. And as you said that, I remembered um, a talk that you did sometime back where you talked about the first follower and how things um, spiral on from there and you get the second follower and then you've got a movement. And right. So I Definitely. did a HR talk in Chicago on starting. Yes. So Chris is the first follower and Mary Faulkner is the second follower that makes Chris yeah. and I not look like no, lone nuts dancing alone. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely not lone nuts now. <laughs> there, are, there are over 400 global organizers and like I said, thousands of people who've given talks. So we yes. are very, very uh, blessed to have such a uh, active and engaged community of people bringing Disrupt HR in languages and cultures all around the world. Yes, absolutely. What would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you had as you started to grow Disrupt HR? Uh, a biggest challenge, still a big challenge. Again, we didn't start it with the anticipation of creating a global movement or mm -hmm. uh, events. 
we did it because we thought it would be fun to do in Cincinnati. And then when a friend said, can I do it here? We said we'd help. So fast forward, um, you know, six and a half years later, we still don't have infrastructure. You know, as I said, I volunteer my time, which has taken quite a bit of time away from my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel, I feel compelled and obligated and want to support people around the world. Um, so the biggest challenge has been from a, a disrupt HR HQ standpoint, which is really me. Uh, <laughs> there's no like, you know, I right now we've can't had to cancel over 50 events around the world for the next couple of months to keep everybody safe and follow, you know, local guidelines. Yes. Um, but if it were not the case. Uh, March, April, May is a hugely active time for Disrupt mm-hmm. HR. So that would have been 50 events with all the changes to the websites, all the speaker info we add to our, our database, all of the social media updates that we share, all of the videos that have to be tagged and titled and uploaded. All of that is done by me in my spare time. Yeah. Um, wow. So, so that's the challenge and remains the challenge. I think, you know, for for the community at large, the challenge is how do we keep the spirit of Disrupt HR alive, but at the same time, be disruptive ourselves. You yeah. know? So during this time, I'm being bombarded with questions of, can we have virtual events? Can we do this? And, and I'm kind of saying, you know, I think we should just all pause and, and keep Disrupt HR the way it is. If we yeah. need to innovate beyond that to something else, let's be thoughtful about it. And mm-hmm. when I say that, I feel very not disruptive, you know, because, yeah. Yeah. because people are pushing me. Now is the time to change. Now is the time for us to yeah. lead. And I'm like, I get that. But so, so I think that's a, that's, that is a struggle for this period in time, but it's also mm-hmm. a struggle going forward. Not a struggle, a good problem. Um, yeah. As HR, yeah, as it continues six, seven years in, people do want to maybe do something different. They want yeah. to continue to remain relevant. Maybe in the future, virtual events will be more of a thing. So we have to, I think, think about how do we continue to make it relevant and evolve. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe during this downtime uh, where there are events going on around the world, we can put some thought to that. To um, that. But at the same time, you know, I, I've already had people do things without asking that I'm kind of like, I would have said no. <laughs> you didn't anyway. um, and a friend of mine said, Jennifer, you, you need to think more disruptively. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> Even the chief excitement officer of Disrupt yeah. HR sometimes is like, let's think a little different. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I, I do think, and I have a keynote that I give on you know, disrupting HR and disrupting the workplace. And I talk in my keynote about it, you do need to plan for disruption. I mean, sometimes disruption happens because again, something like a global pandemic happens and you have to send everybody home to work from home. And so you Absolutely. have to think differently and you have to disrupt. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're saying, okay, we want to stay relevant, we want to keep it, um, you know, where people are actively engaged, whether people are at home or we go back to some version of the way it was, um, we need to continue evolving. Let's be thoughtful about that. Let's try new things. Let's think outside the box, but I don't classify disruption as just being shotgun. You know, let's just do something for the sake of doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, You do need to be thoughtful, 
I think, to really innovate and disrupt in the places where you're going to get the most value for it. I think you also have to be looking around while you're doing that saying, what is happening that maybe we didn't anticipate? And sometimes those things are actually good. You know, one of the examples I give in my, my program is uh, the makers of Viagra, uh, which I'm sure people know what that is. That drug was originally I'm sure they do. <laughs> that drug was originally created to be for uh, heart conditions. And in the trials, when they tested it on heart patients, they found an interesting side effect that actually became, you know, the, the, the real purpose of the, the drug. drug. <laughs> so when you are doing disruption, you know, being disruptive and, and trying something different and changing, being aware of what's happening while that's going on and, and following paths where maybe it makes sense that weren't your original path, that can actually you know, be a very effective way to get to the best answer. But again, I don't think you just go, well, the world changed. Let's change everything. And, and that is applies to HR, not just to disrupt HR. It applies to leaders yeah. and companies. There are still some basic things with leadership. I mean, we see everybody's doing a webinar and a training class and a, you know, a, a live video on somewhere about how to lead your team remotely or in crisis those basic leadership principles of communication, empathy, vision, uh, accountability, you know, accountability, yes. we decide what we're going to do, we stay accountable to that, you know, yes. those are basic tenets of leadership mm -hmm. that don't go away, even in a crisis or when things Absolutely. are disrupted. But yet, now I have to think differently, I can't take you out for lunch to talk about how things are going or to show you that care, how can I show you care and empathy? when you might be thousands of miles away from me as, yes. as you know, an employee. So mm -hmm. that was my soapbox for the day on disruption. <laughs> <laughs> you can see where my mind is right now. Cause it's like, yeah. every time I don't, I don't have very good internet where I'm located right now. So <laughs> I don't get in my email every day. And when I do, there's four or five emails from people going, Hey, Jennifer, what about virtual disruptive HR? We want to do this. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> But we may, we may do yeah. that. <laughs> well, I totally get it. I think within the, for the meantime, I've been doing my best to stay within the parameters of what we can do. And so we've kind of like asked our speakers who were lined up to share some tips that we could share with our audience just to keep our audience right, you know, keep ourselves at the forefront of our audience's mind. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we were thinking of doing is, is a, a virtual happy hour. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we may we may give that a try and um please feel free to join us. Actually, one of our our organizers is a DJ. Oh wow. So <laughs> so this is gonna be an interesting, an interesting time for us, but just trying to do things within the scope that we could do. And I, I hope that other organizers will be just as reasonable and understand. I I, I do understand um the format of Disrupt HR and that you really do want it to be something that people can actually physically see and engage and participate. You don't want to lose that vibe. There's yeah. something about going to a Disrupt HR event that is so warming that you're seeing HR professionals in a different light because you're not going to, it's not like you go to a conference, everyone's wearing their, their suit and tie and fancy you know, dress and whatever. At Disrupt HR events, it really is a more cozier vibe. And I love the fact that you have 
put specific parameters around where events should be done, how they should be done. And I personally wouldn't want to lose that for sure. So hold your, stick to your guns. Again, you know, as I've tried to work through my feeling of being not disruptive in this, I talked to a fellow speaker who uh, he purposely has not spoken at any disruptive HR events because he wants other people to have the opportunity to take the stage, but he's attended several. And I said, hey, you know, Greg, do you think I should be thinking differently about this virtual thing? And, and he, I think he made a very good point. It's part of what I think is is what makes Disrupt HR so magical is if you remember back at the very beginning, we wanted to create an opportunity for people to speak who maybe traditionally don't get the opportunity to speak on conference stages or at events. Maybe they have an idea or maybe they just want to challenge themselves to speak for the first time and they're really super nervous about it. And so almost any Disrupt HR event around the world, if people are like on social media and I'm watching the, you know, the, the posts on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, there's almost always some sort of thread about how nervous one or two speakers are and people are giving them encouragement and they're really supportive. And then, you know, I've been to events myself where a speaker gets up and they might not have a really, you know, they get so nervous, they get behind the time of their slides, or maybe their idea is not that great, but they come off the stage and people are like, you did it, you know, congratulations, you tried. Um, And the speaker's like, I did it, you know, so that piece, I think it's, it's, you know, I get conversations with organizers sometimes and I say, you know, let's say you have 12 speakers at your event probably you want to make sure that at least four of those are, you know, people who know how to give a good talk, have a good idea. It's going to flow. It's going to, people are going to learn something. Mm -hmm. Probably four of them, you know, it's going to be mediocre, either mediocre idea or they're not that great a speaker. And then three or four of them, if it's just somebody, again, getting up there and challenging themselves and they get that victory, the audience, I think really likes that. Mm -hmm. And they leave there thinking, Disrupt HR is different. Yes. You know, again, if I go to a conference and I sit down for an hour long keynote or breakout session and the speaker's not great or the idea is not great uh, or they mess up, then it's kind of like, oh, wow, I'm stuck here for 50 for an hour. minutes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you, you do the rude thing and you get up and you walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a Disrupt HR event, you're like, it's five minutes and five this person's crying, you know? Yep. So if you take some of that to the virtual space, Again, I'm not saying no. It's just I think he helped me to see that's part of, as you said, kind of yes. magic is not only that kind of cozy fun vibe, but people are are connecting and and meeting with people awesome. and supportive of each other yes. because they know it's a quick event. You're there to have fun. You're there to learn. You're there to meet people. Um, and if you do that, and it's you know in two and three two or three hours, and you're able to go home and put the kids to bed by the time you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I think one of the major reasons why I am so excited to bring Disrupt HR to Barbados is because we don't have enough of that. So like I know in the US and and other countries like the UK and so on, they have very big HR communities that everyone has an opportunity to come together and do something. But for us in the Caribbean, we have maybe one conference a year outside of that um we we have hr associations but do they do things to bring us together on a regular basis like not really maybe an agm maybe 
um, I find like some organizations try and they may have very few, they'll have stuff throughout the year, but it's not something that really brings everybody together. And it's not really one of those things where you feel like it's, it's vibey, like everything you have that relates to HR, you think it's either policy driven, so it's going to be super boring mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and it's going to be given by somebody who you've heard a thousand times before Right. And you really are not interested in hearing them again, so you don't turn up. Right. Whereas you and you miss that opportunity to to have a really good dynamic of of meeting new people, engaging new people, hearing new speakers, and getting new ideas. And so for me, that's why I'm really excited to have um, Disrupt HR in in Barbados and in the Caribbean. And uh, so yeah, I, I really wouldn't want to. <laughs> To, yeah. to see that. I guess I'm excited about it because I'm not six and a half years in like you but it's, well, it's I'm, ex- I'm still excited I love I mean <laughs> I don't get to watch as many of the the videos again because now like I have videos for nine cities to upload right now which that's probably you know over a hundred videos mm-hmm. I can't do that with the internet connection that I have now yes but that is probably because I have to do that at nights and in the evening or the weekends, that's, okay. that's two to three weeks for me to get those uploaded as mm-hmm. that would be if I had strong internet. So I don't get to watch as many of the videos as I used to, but I still love, I love a good Disrupt HR talk. I love, I love a train wreck of a good <laughs> Disrupt HR talk. <laughs> I love a Disrupt HR talk where the person has a great idea and they're not a great speaker. I love them all. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I said they're all my children, even the bad mm-hmm. ones. The ones that are not my children that get kicked out of the house are the ones where somebody breaks the pretty much only rule that we have that you can't mm-hmm. pitch or sell in a talk. Yeah. And somebody that pitches <laughs> pitches yeah. their product or you know, you know they they skirt the. I always say if you have if you're a vendor and you have an employee engagement product, you can talk about employee engagement, but you can't talk about how your product your is going to save the day. Solution. So. Yes. Um, some people really walk that line not so closely. <laughs> those, I don't like those kids. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And I've seen how um, speakers get really creative and ingenuitive. So like some speakers sing. I see, yes. I saw one with poetry. Yes. And well, so I see speakers. more than one where somebody has done a rap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, people, people are creative and when mm-hmm. you, and I, th- I've read and heard, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts and a few months ago, somebody wrote a book about, I forget what it was, but they talked about how when you give people constraints, um, you tend to think that that limits creativity, but actually uh, the research says that that fe- fuels creativity because just like a disrupt HR talk, no pitching or selling five minutes, 20 slides, 15 seconds, then people start to say, how can I do different within that? Yeah. Versus if you say you got five minutes, get on stage. I mean, you'll still see some people. People are creative in general, mm-hmm. I think. But but when you give them the constraints, they can then riff off of that. Um, and I think, as I said, I I had to watch. We were going to do our first global disrupt event in Las, yeah. Las Vegas in May, and so we asked people to nominate their favorite talks. And so I was trying to go through those so we could narrow that down. And I probably did within a couple of weeks, watch two or 300 videos. And, and it, some of them bring me to tears because I'm like, this was, this is the ones that really move me are the ones that I know are topics that 
at least in our current time, we'll never make it on a big conference stage. Mm. You know, whether it's it's someone talking about being transgender in the workplace or how to deal with mental health issues and they're sharing their own experience or uh, we have a very popular one that I think is uh, they're in popularity order on yeah. the watch page on our website. And I think right. hers is up there. It's called Triggered, um, where she talks about her own Me Too experience. Um, yes, I so, just thought about that one. Yeah. So those are talks. That one made me cry. See? So that's probably not going to be on like a SHRM conference stage. You know, they're going to have a lawyer or somebody talking about how you shouldn't do this so that you don't have a me too in your life. Yeah. Which is, which is again, important. And so that's why that's a format. We're not competing with that. But we're offering an opportunity for somebody like, I think her name is Adrian, uh, to share her story mm-hmm. and to impact other people in a way that someone's standing up and saying, now here's all the rules of what you need to do or don't do. Uh, in your workplace or the policies that you need to have, but to have someone be able to give a disrupt HR talk and say, this is my experience, how you can treat someone like me. Here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what I recommend from a person who lives this experience. Yeah. Um, Those really do touch me. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree 100%. That triggered talk triggered me. It really, (laughs) it really Uh did. And yeah. and it's moments like that that I as I said for sure for me I wouldn't want to lose. Plus, you know, the the major one of the many misconceptions that people have, and I'm gonna ask you about yours, but one of the major misconceptions I know people have about HR is that we're very stiff people, we don't have fun, we don't know how to have fun. But if there's one thing I know for sure, you go to a disrupt HR event and you put some liquor in an HR professional's hand. Yes. Very interesting things happen. <laughs> it is true. It is true. I mean, and that's, you know, again, Chris, my, my my partner and the founder, I'm so glad again that that he was the one that kind of led led this initially because Chris was the I probably wouldn't have said that because I come out of HR, but Chris said we want people to talk like they talk in real life. If they or talk like a sailor and every other word is a four-letter word if they want to talk that way they're talking that way in the workplace now you know so um, it's true so to tell them if you get up on stage be yourself talk like you would talk they can do that now on the flip side of that we also have a lot of whether it's it's not just hr people people yeah, hr people get a rad rap there are plenty of people out there that don't appreciate that kind of language and they're not going to appreciate it at a disrupt HR event either. If you, if, Absolutely. if someone throws some four letter words at your event and you do a feedback form, I guarantee you somebody will say that that wasn't necessary and it was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. But, but again, it's, we're not, I'm sh- we're, we're asking people to be themselves and whether they need liquor or they don't need liquor, yeah. have a good time. Mm-hmm. Be yourself, talk like you talk, share your idea in a way that you feel like you can um, best communicate it to others. And just like anything, even from my own experience as a speaker, uh, and maybe Julie, you, you, I think, do some speaking as well. You yeah. probably had the same. I can get up and give the best talk I think I've ever given in my life. I walk off the stage and I'm like, I nailed it. It was finally good, you know, <laughs> what I wanted to do. You know, the Sherman Manual Conference is always a good example because I've had mega sessions every year there for the last uh, eight years. Um, and so sometimes that can be almost 2,000 people in the room. 
And so you, you leave the room and you're like, I did, I did what I came here to do. I nailed it. Mm -hmm. And then you get your feedback forms in the, uh, used to come in the mail. Now they come via email a couple of months yeah. later. And yeah, there's the, you know, it was good. It was great. You know, but it's always to, to juxtapose, to ju juxtapose some of the comments. There's a comment like, this was the best talk I've ever heard. I want Jennifer to come and speak to the leaders in my company. She really, you know, nailed what we're trying to do, you know, something that's very nice and constructive. And mm -hmm. then the very next comment will be worst talk I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't learn anything wow. new. It's true. You know? It's and true. Kind of like, you have <laughs> to realize there will always be people that your message does not resonate with. Exactly. Now, if, and so it's the 90-10 rule. If 90% of the people are saying it was some version of good and that mm -hmm. they got value from what you said, you probably didn't nail it. Yeah. If and if 90% are saying it was terrible and 10% are saying it's good, you probably missed the boat. You know, so yes. I, any Disrupt HR talk, you could have 10 people watch it and you would probably get, you know, at least five different reactions where people loved it, hated it, spoke to them, didn't speak to them. Um so that's again it's part of the fun of it you know we yeah. have i have people that email me you know and say i went to the event in you know such and such city and and it was terrible and it was awful <laughs> wow <laughs> the organizer will call me and they'll be like we just had the best event ever so <laughs> yeah it's all relevant <laughs> or yeah. relative that's right that's right everyone's perception is their reality at the end of the day yeah. And again, you know, it's like, I like vanilla ice cream and you like chocolate, you know, it's, we're different and yeah. that's, that's wonderful. That's why we, we try to give you 12 speakers and hope that at least hopefully <laughs> one of them are. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that covers Disrupt HR. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. Why did you get, why did you start to create a podcast and, and how has that experience been for you? Sure. Um, well, I started, let's kind of back up a little bit. So 2008, uh, I was working as an executive recruiter and the internet wasn't what it is today, but I was using, because that was a kind of, I was my own business within a business. So I, for the first time in my life, didn't have a team of people that I was working with. And I was in a new, you know, while I'd always done recruiting, I was in a new kind of way of doing things. So I turned to the internet to learn, you know, ere.net was a place that I went to, to learn about recruiting. And back then it was an email listserv. So every time somebody asked a question, every, you got another email, which I thought was amazing and wonderful because <laughs> I was learning and connecting. And then some of those people started blogging. You know, they were some of the very early bloggers. Um, so Chris Dunn, the HR capitalist, Laurie Rudiman at the time was Punk Rock HR and she's evolved and now she's, her podcast is called Punk Rock HR again. Um, Lance Hahn, who's now the ERE community director, he had a blog called Your HR Guy. Um, and then there were several others, Suzanne Lucas, Evil HR Lady. There, there was a core group of people who were practitioners in HR and recruiting who were writing about their experiences. And they really helped me as I was trying to both stay connected, keep learning, uh, find community. Now some of the, all those people are good friends of mine. Uh, Laurie's my best friend. We met over, we always say we met over uh -huh. the internet via her uh -huh. blog. Uh, and she lives in North Carolina and I live in, in Ohio, so we don't even live in the same city. Wow. Um, so I started, I thought, 
I was consuming so many blogs at the time, I said, well, I'll start a blog of my own, you know, and I started writing for Fistful of Talent for a little while, but I started my own blog called Cincy Recruiters World, which was what I was, my Twitter handle and everything was back then. Mm -hmm. And so because I enjoyed it, I thought I would also enjoy using that platform to share with others. So fast forward, you know, so that was 2008, probably eight or nine years fast forward I still do read some blogs but blogging has changed uh, and I'm listening to many many more podcasts so I have horses and I you know ride every day or drive every day to the barn about an hour and a half there and back Um, you know I'm while I'm working at home or cleaning my house or something I'm listening to podcasts so I end up listening to probably 20 or 30 podcasts a week Mm -hmm. and so it was kind of the same thinking again after a couple of years of just really enjoying podcasts and again, finding new friends and community and, and interesting stuff. I said, why not create my own? So impact makers uh, was launched in March of 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, I've had a few uh, periods where I've been away from it, um, getting ready to start back up again. Um, There's over almost 40 episodes out there now. Uh, The goal was to talk to people that I know who are making some sort of impact at work or in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also I was sprinkling in a few episodes every now and then where I was teaching something or sharing something from my own experience. Um, Those tended to be the most popular episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, again, I I think the interviews were also popular, but when it's same for me now, the podcasts that I'm listening to that I really enjoy when someone's really teaching me something, whether it's, how to create better content or be a better podcaster or be a better leader. I like Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. I came back in December of 2019 with new episodes. And um, most of those are teaching something. Uh, And I think going forward, it will probably be a mix of that. I still want to interview people who are making an impact though. And, and I've learned so much. And I think also found some themes Mm -hmm. from talking to people uh, about their, I'd usually start with, I always tell people, I'm just going to say, tell me about yourself and start wherever you want. Right. And it's been really interesting to see how some people go way back and some people uh-huh. start, you know, but the themes that I see throughout um, are that all of these people that I admire, respect, you know, they may be business leaders or HR professionals or bloggers or podcasters, almost to a person, they've all started out doing something that is not what they're doing today. Right. You know, they they thought like William Tencup is probably the most popular episode. I think it's number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just an interesting, quirky guy anyway, but he wanted to be a museum curator. And here he is today, like, a you know, one of the top kind of voices in the HR analyst community mm-hmm. uh, or the, you know, the HR technology space. Right. Uh, because like most of us, you start doing something at and you pivot and you disrupt and you change yes. and you start to see what your skills really are or mm-hmm. what you really enjoy doing. And often that's not what you wanted to do in the very beginning. And I think at my advanced years, when I was growing up, um, you kind of, the mindset was, you know, you pick a job, you hopefully get a good job that mm-hmm. you can stay at 30 or 40 years and you don't ever really think about having multiple careers and in fact it was very much discouraged you were a job hopper if you had more than you know one or two jobs in your life yes and now I think we're finally coming around to that that people are 
evolving, changing, Mm -hmm. uh, finding new skills, discovering new skills, growing tired of things that they've done that maybe even they were good at. And with the internet and the connectivity of social media, um, and I'm glad that that is the case because coming out of this coronavirus pause, so many people are going to need to reinvent themselves. Absolutely. Um, so the opportunity to think about, well, I, I, this is an opportunity to maybe reinvent myself in a way that I want to. Um, yeah. You know, so what podcasts can I listen to where I can shore up those skills, or what blog posts can I read, or what books can I read so that I can follow people who've gone before me and mm-hmm. find a new path. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really grateful because, you know, like myself, I had a friend, we were social distancing. She was far away. <laughs> <laughs> she asked me last week, she said, you know, cause right now I have no, I have a SHRM annual conference, which starts June 28th. So I think it's, you know, it's, they're still hanging on hope that that will happen. Um, that's my next speaking engagement that's on my calendar. And then I'm supposed to go to New Zealand in July and they're, hanging on, hoping they'll be able to do that. Right. Uh, but now people aren't really thinking about fall because, you know, it's just they're they're trying to keep their businesses alive and keep their yes. employees. So I don't have a full speaking calendar. And my friend said, Jennifer, what if you have to think about that you won't be doing what you used to do, traveling the world and, and talking on stages? And I said, mm-hmm. I don't like that thought because I do. I love the travel. I love, I love the connecting yeah. with people. I love... Mm-hmm sharing. I love teaching. I love the, after I come off stage and the stories that people come up and share with me again, granted kind of similar to our earlier talk about disruptive art. Can that still happen in a different way? Yeah, potentially. Uh, will, will the new world order whenever we get there be some version of virtual and in-person events? Probably. Um, but also, I've been wanting to create an online course for a long time. I've wanted to write a book for mm-hmm. a long time. So maybe this is a season where those things get done. Yeah. Um, I wanted to restart my podcast for a long time, but I was too busy uploading videos for disrupting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's three months with no events. Hey, yeah. get the podcast back up and running. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are still... I saw a tweet yesterday where somebody said, if you don't come out of this time period with a new skill or, you know, having improved yourself in some way, you pretty much wasted your time. And then that person just got all kinds of hate, probably rightfully so, saying, we're just out here trying to survive. You know, don't shame me because I'm not, you know, while I'm trying to homeschool my kids, work from home, which I've never done before, not getting, you know, I've been my job and I don't even know how I'm going to pay. Don't start shaming me because I'm not, you know, getting excited about learning a new skill. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's, there's also that to be respectful of, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, again, listen to a podcast yesterday where I walked out here on the farm <laughs> and she said, you know, what if you think about this as, uh, yeah, your revenue is not there. So you, you've lost revenue, but maybe you've gained the opportunity of time Mm-hmm. to do the things like I mentioned, like write a book or yeah. whatever. So in my case, self-employed, I got time to figure out what the new me is for, mm-hmm. you know, again, the person who's home with a house full of kids and <laughs> and a partner and, uh, you know, again, maybe not the finances that they need to pay their bills or whatever. 
that's they need to focus on what is important right now exactly uh and not not worry about um well like it's i don't think it's appropriate for any of us to say not worry about something because you know in your situation what you need to worry what you're going to worry about yes. yeah but do try to find uh good advice my mother again who i'm here to care for um says she always looks for what she can be grateful for mm-hmm. even when things are challenging um absolutely she's very good at finding things to be grateful for so mm-hmm. i think uh, a leader that i listen to says a lot what does this make possible yeah um so while we are in the midst of challenges or things are different or they're not the way I would love to have been in Barbados last week. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much I was looking forward to that. <laughs> but hey, what does this make possible? Yeah. A book, a course, a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a pivot, who knows? You know, there yeah. are a lot of things that can be done. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for that. But with that being said, what would you say is your biggest pet peeve when it comes to misconceptions about HR? Oh, that it's not relevant. Um, that, you know, they're just the, the police, the administrators, the, you call them in after the fact. Uh, and while that, I always uh, make sure I caveat that, there are plenty of HR people that that's the role they actually want to play. Uh, and there are plenty of organizations out there that that's the role that they want their org- their HR person to play. Mm-hmm. So if those people are all matched up, it's unfortunate because I think HR and the business can do so much more for their people. But Absolutely. if you want to be the administrative type and you want to be the police and you want to hire and fire and, uh, you know, write people up and <laughs> policies, <laughs> procedures, and that makes you happy and your leadership wants you to do that your company will either succeed or fail based off of how well that works for you. Mm -hmm. But I think for so many HR leaders, um, the opportunity is so much greater. And and I want to encourage HR leaders not to blame their leadership uh, necessarily by saying, well, I can't do more because my leadership won't let me. My answer to that is usually, then you haven't made a relevant enough business case for your leadership to pay attention to what you can do. Mm-hmm. Because leaders are yes. business leaders. They're looking for the financial aspect of it. So if I'm just coming to you and saying, hey, I can do more. I can be more. Let me try this. And they're like, you go back to your office and we'll call you if we need you. <laughs> and you go back to your office and you're like, I want to be disruptive. I want to create change, but my leader won't let me. I would say, you didn't give them any reason other than you want to do this. If you go in and you say, if we make this change, it's going to save our business money. If we, uh, you know, implement this new work from home policy, it's going to increase engagement. It's going to, you know, you have to show your leaders how you can contribute and what that's going to do for the business. So if they need convincing, it's a business case. Absolutely, um, and I think that's my pet peeve is that there are both uh, leaders and HR leaders that say HR is just this kind of administrative side, mm-hmm. and then the probably bigger pet peeve is that there are HR leaders who say, "Well, I want to be that, but I can't," and I want to challenge those people to really show their leadership why they should allow them to be challenging. And my mm-hmm. guess is there's a good portion of those people that don't want to do 
take the time and effort to do that. They'd yeah. rather complain that they're not being allowed to do it mm-hmm. rather than doing the hard work yeah. to show your leadership how you can contribute. You know, I saw a meme or something the other day about, um, or actually it was a, a blog post that said uh, the coronavirus situation has you know, made HR the most important employee in the organization. I'm like, no, no, nope. they've always been. Always. <laughs> <laughs> some, of them, some of them weren't stepping into that. Some of them That's weren't right. being allowed to do that. But right. again, when you need to be agile or when you need to yeah. pivot your business or when you need to think differently, it is always the people inside the business that make that happen. And so the the team and the leader that is focused full time on making sure that our people have the tools and resources and the training to do what they need to do to move the business forward and have the ability to share their ideas and to be disruptive and to be creative. That is the most important seat in the organization. And I want every HR leader to feel that way. Oh, that sounds so powerful. Actually made me think of an analogy that a colleague gave me once. He said, imagine you're telling your leadership okay I'm a brain surgeon will you let me be a brain surgeon like I can save people by doing these surgeries and all the time you're hearing no no this is what we hired you to do do this and then you say but I'm a brain surgeon I can do this I can do this and they go okay operate and you go okay now they actually want me to operate (laughs) and I might kill somebody (laughs) (laughs) I love that analogy that is great that that's what a lot of HR leaders are going in going I can I can take your heart out and fix it and make it better. Just let me. And they're like, have you ever done this? <laughs> and you either say, yeah, I've done 47 surgeries and nobody's died. Or you're like, I've never done it before, but trust me, I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That, that is, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to credit you crediting your colleagues. <laughs> That is a great way of putting it. So many leaders are going in saying, I can do all these things. And your leaders are going, we have no proof that you've done this ever. Mm -hmm. And unless you're able to, and, and, you know, then the question comes back where people say, well, how am I supposed to demonstrate or learn the skill? Micro steps. That's right. Learn from others. Teach. Try. Pilot something. Try something. Mm-hmm. That's how you get to the big changes. You you don't go from zero to sixty unless you know you you have a global pandemic and then you have to. <laughs> you have to. Yep. <laughs> but then you go back <laughs> and you evaluate what actually worked and what do we need to you know keep trying on. Yes, um, that's a great way of looking at. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Last question to you: What are you reading right now that other HR people should be reading? Oh, good question. Um, I am actually reading because I um, want to write some reviews for some of my colleagues who have written books that I have, but I haven't (laughs) either finished or I haven't read yet. So I have brought with me here to the land of very little internet. um, (laughs) I have read my friend Steve Brown's HR on Purpose book. Um, I love that book. (laughs) I read it. I wrote a a, a thing on the cover for it, Um, Uh but it's been a while and I never wrote a review for him. So I'm going to do that while I'm here. Chris Dunn's book, The Nine Faces of HR. Yes. um, I am halfway through that and I want to write a review for his book. And then Tim Sackett has a book called The Talent Fix, which is a little bit more recruiting focused. 
Um, and so I have that with me so that I can finish it and write a review. So again, by looking at what does this make possible, it's like mm -hmm. all those books on your desk that you yeah. have because you wanted to either finish because you know they are good uh -huh. and by your friends and, and colleagues you trust. Uh, and you've been saying, you've been telling Steve for two years now, I will write a review for your book. <laughs> Now he's about to come out with his second book. And second I was like, book, yes. I need to get the review written for the first one before the second one comes out. Um, so, you know, <laughs> those are, that's what this makes possible. I'm going to get those reviews up on Amazon. Um, and that's, those are three great books that I would recommend for people yeah. in HR recruiting and people who, again, who have taught me so much that mm -hmm. I've been following in this case of Steve, no, personally, he, we live in the same city. Um, Chris Dunn, I consider a mentor. Tim Sackett, uh, I don't know what I consider Tim, just a really good friend, someone makes me laugh. And those are great books by people who are practitioners in the trenches and well worth yeah. read for anybody that has not read them. That's true. So good. You know, actually, I have a confession to make on that note. <laughs> oh, it's confession time. So mm -hmm. it's so funny. Um, one of the things that I do, because I'm a visual person, is I, I watch a lot of... Um, I watch a lot of videos or or I watch a lot of TED Talks and and different things like that because I'm a visual person. So I like to to watch people teach as opposed to I do like podcasts and I find I, I listen better to podcasts in the evening. But we were on a call earlier this year and I have this habit. I, I'm listening to what people are saying, but depending on where they're doing their video, I can pick up certain things. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I like to do is see is if people are giving me a talk in their library, I look at the books they're reading. Look at you. You were and like... I, <laughs> I picked up there are five books that I actually bought from your library. And the nine faces of HR is no one of them. Way. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> see, I was repping my friends. I'm gonna tell them that I sold a book for you. <laughs> Because it was behind me. <laughs> yes. And the, so the nine faces of HR was one and taught like Ted. Yes. That's another good book by yes. Mike Gallo. Yes. From your library. So, so. <laughs> well, I just moved into a new apartment and my office, all of my books are in the floor and I, uh -huh. I don't have any office furniture because I got rid of all of my furniture when I downsized from a house. So yeah. I'll have to keep that in mind. I need to get good bookcases and make sure I have a yes. good bookshelf behind me. You don't that, know what people what, what books you're gonna bring into people's lives, but I've, I've, I only do, put the I books behind me that make me look. Yeah, I'm gonna only put the books <laughs> behind me that make me look smarter. <laughs> yeah, I know that's why people do it, but you'd never realize that people actually might actually end up buying a book because you've that's done that. Great. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you so much for taking the time and putting the energy in putting this HR together along with Chris. And I think that without, with an event like this, the world now will start to see HR in a different light. And I think Disrupt HR of itself is something that will challenge HR people to push forward and say, yes, I can do this. And mm -hmm. this is the reason why we need to do this. And feel the importance of being disruptive, positive in a positive way. Yes. So thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. We really appreciate it.
Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. We're both self-isolating, and so yes. great to have a friendly face to talk to. Everybody else doesn't get to see the video, but you have a lovely smile, and I've enjoyed thank the conversation. You. Oh, thank you so much. Same here. All right. All righty. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.